0: I want no something to see,
1: I think about everyone i you need. It all in this things are real now. I have seen you wanting you, hey. It's a ratio, okay though. It's a ratio, okay though.
0: That might be the best question I've ever been
1: asked. <laughs> you're a phenomenal person. I mean, you're legendary. I am a fan
0: of you, my brother. Who was the wide out who was the most challenging to cover?
1: I still have nightmares. About? <laughs> uh, Randy, Randy, Randy. Randy. Randy Moss. Moss. And, Tall, uh, fast. You know, I have nightmares from a number of guys. Okay. <laughs> but I'll say, I'll say, I'll say, Randy is. Probably the top Vikings,
0: guy. Randy, or Patriots, Randy.
1: I never was able to play against him when he played in Minnesota, okay. for the Vikings. But uh, I mean, I was, I was saying, I was saying you got Moss back in the neighborhood. <laughs> <when it's>, uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Darrell Revis is the best cornerback of his generation. He is one of the greatest football players of his generation, and he's a really smart, thoughtful guy who wants to be an NFL owner. I love that. I met him at a party. I said, please come on my show. He said, absolutely. It is an honor as a New York Jet fan to have the great Darrell Revis on the show. So let's go. It's Straight from Rivas Island, Darrell Rivas on Tourette's show. I mean, huge football fan, and every Sunday watching the Patriots. And then the four o'clock game with my dad was like religion, you know? And if he didn't happen to be home at one o'clock, he's listening to it on the radio. He was a diehard Patriots fan when they sucked, right? Like <laughs> the Steve Grogan era when they weren't that good. Yeah. Um, but it was like, that's the one thing mom was like, you would never, you never can't play football. You could play basketball. You could run, try, you can't play football. Mm-hmm. Like you would immediately, you could immediately get paralyzed. And Daryl Stingley- Right. She remembered Daryl Stingley got like paralyzed. Um but if you're on the defensive side and you're handing out the punishment, it's not right, it's not as dangerous, right? As if you're like an offensive player and you don't see the guy coming, you could get knocked into next week.
1: <laughs> we on the defensive side of the ball, we're we're doing the most hitting. Right. Obviously. Right. Um uh, <clears throat> and I think uh I like Playing on the defensive side of ball more than the offensive side. You know, I've had an opportunity to play in high school and a little bit in college, but um, I think for me, I've, I've always felt that I'd rather be doing the hit than being hit. <laughs> so um, I always looked at the game as that uh, we don't really. The only time on the defensive side is where you can maybe, you know, get your you know your feet stepped on by. Same teammate uh, with his cleats, or if it's a pal in in a sense, um, which you do not want to be under, right? Uh, in, right. Any pals, right? Right. right. <laughs> but uh, uh, for me, man, it's always been on the defensive side of the ball and really trying to um, the mindset of um, trying to make the opposing team not score. You know, I mean, any Your job
0: was so hard yeah. because here's the fastest guy they got. Mm-hmm. You go alone, one on one, because I'm a one-on-one shutdown guy, right? Mm-hmm. You go alone and stop him. And by the way, he gets to start running straight. You gotta start backwards, right? Like your first couple True. steps, you're going backwards or sideways. Absolutely. He, right. So I mean, how how does one be a great corner? Because you were the best corner of your era. How just how do you just start me from there? How do you be a great
1: corner? One, I would say uh, hands, feet, and eye coordination. okay those are three things that you need as a, as a DB eye hand coordinate, eye hand coordination, eyes first is because you need to have awareness when you're on the field. formations uh, formations, uh, what hashes the ball is lined up on, and such. so it's more of a um It's more of a chess game in terms of the strategies and studying. Um, Obviously, as a DB, you need hands. Obviously, you need to catch very well um, if the quarterback's throwing the ball to the receiver. So um, all of this stuff you can do drills with, you know, before or after practice. And then third is your feet. I can cover you with my feet without jamming you or putting my hands on you as a right receiver. So if I can slide step side to side, um, to cut you off at an angle, then um, I don't even need my hands. But the hands has come in is, is where it gives you a lot of uh, leverage in terms of giving hand, jam- hand placement, jamming.
0: Giving them a push stuff. at the start of the play so that they don't get to full speed as fast as they want to.
1: Well, t- yes, typically you actually want to cut down the the timing between – the offense, uh, quarterback, and the receiver as well. So it's just knocking off the timing as best you can. If I can knock off milliseconds, uh, half a second, or a second—that's huge. Then right, it it helps our defense out um, to an advantage, and it helps me out to slow the game down even much more by just uh, you know maybe press cover press or jam jamming at the line. Because so. I mean, your thing your stats would be
0: what they were but then it's like well if you understand the full context of the game they're not throwing anywhere near him because <laughs> he's already got the guy shut down so it's it doesn't it's not fully reflected in the statistics cuz he's like I took your best receiver and I took him out of the game you just yes. we're like we're just not going over there at all i mean so this is just all in the awareness the speed the, the jamming the guy with the hands. Yes. I mean, like...
1: It's, it's, it's... When you... If you break it down even more, it's, it's all mathematics. <laughs> Angles, 45, 65 degree, 85 degrees, 90 degree cuts. Uh, it, 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 you really... You're really a mathematician out there. And then you're trying to calculate um, the game speed as well when you're out there, uh, you know, competing. So... If I can knock off any timing when it comes to you know offense coming to the line of scrimmage, it's it's to our advantage. If I can slow the best receiver down in the game uh, as much as as possible, it's going to alter their offensive flow. And it kind of, then at that point, our defense and we can kind of dictate um, to our offense like how we're going to play. This is how. Tough, we're going to play you. (laughs) This is how rough, this is how gritty we're going to play, and uh, it 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 makes the game much easier for you to kind of control, in a sense. If you see, if you ever watched any of the dominant defenses through the history of the game, uh, I mean Ray Lewis. You got guys like Ray Lewis (sighs) at the Ravens. Uh, You know, you got Julius Peppers. You got a lot of great guys. I mean, we can go back to LT, Lawrence yes, Taylor, L-T-L, yes. Uh, where, you know, you can just really, by your presence, you can dictate the game. Um, you know, there was times for me where um, I actually didn't want to cover the number one receiver at times. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? <laughs> well, because I, I knew that, that it, you know, it was going to be wear and tear. On, you. on my body uh, personally and uh, c- could kind of potentially, uh, you know, shorten your career in mm. a sense, uh, you know. Um, so for me at times, I, 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 didn't, I didn't have the mindset to sometimes say, I don't really want to do this. But I think for the betterment of the team, team's sake, um, you know, I had to, this is my job, this is my role. I can't let my brothers down and the uh, huddle, and this is, my, this is what I have to do. Influencer. It's a word that gets tossed around a lot these days. There is a woman who
0: went the distance, who broke ground as the first true influencer by living a remarkable life. Her name, Elizabeth Taylor. I'm Katy Perry. This is the story of the original influencer. This is Elizabeth the first Elizabeth, the first, the podcast, wherever you listen. It's something interesting. I keep noticing the top wide receivers have like the biggest egos in like all of sports, yes. right? Like they are loud <laughs> and brash. And I'm the man. You talk about Moss and T.O. and Chris Carter, these sort of guys, like, you know, I mean like the ego is just off the chain. Why is it? Why are wide receivers so, I mean, like, more than quarterbacks? Running backs might have ego. They might be a little more humble. But wide receivers are like, I think I'm the man. Like, what, what is that
1: about? You know what? I actually like it. <laughs> <laughs> I like it because it, it brings a lot of flair and flavor to the game. Um, I'm I'm a fan of the game since I was a kid. I used to watch Barry Sanders. I used to watch... Dion, I used to watch. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. What
0: was your team when you were growing up?
1: Uh the Pittsburgh
0: Steelers. Right, right. Yeah. And so who was your favorite player?
1: Uh I had a, I had a ton of f- favorite players. I mean, I just really, you know, I used to pay attention to the uh Dallas Cowboys. Okay. Uh Troy Aitman, Emmitt Smith, the Michael Irvin. Irvins, right. yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, Primetime obviously, Deion Sanders, uh Dell Green. Mm-hmm. Uh Rob Woodson.
0: So you were always attracted to the defensive side?
1: Uh yeah, for the for the most part, I would say I was yeah, for the most part. I think Why? Cause there's a different sort of
0: guy who gravitates toward the D than the offense.
1: Uh, you know what? I just for me I I I really think I just had a knack for just uh, insanity in and knack to just say like you're not going to score, you know, a touchdown on me. And that was kind of my philosophy, you know, uh, approaching the position, the cornerback position. It was just really like, if I'm going to, if I'm going to take this challenge on, then you know, I got to try to do it to, you know, balls to the wall. I got to do it to my best ability to try to like make sure that. The receiver do, does not. I mean, and, and we're talking about some of the greatest. Yeah, no, great I want to say some of the guys play. you
0: faced. But I mean, like when and this didn't happen that much. But when your guy gets into top gear and you kind of know, like, oh, shit, it's coming this way. And maybe you see it go up and you're like, oh, it's coming this way. Yeah. And like, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? Is like we're like in a foot race to get to the spot to see, like, can he get it? can I stop him can I tackle him is right. he going to burn me and score like right. what is
1: what is going through your head in that moment uh it, and at that moment it's it's just really um we we, we we've always had a saying is when the ball is in the air you turn into the receiver as a, as a defensive back so it's just really in that process just um zooming in and really slowing the game down uh why it's at, you know, literally at the top speed um, of, of of a receiver and DB running down the field, probably like 22 miles per hour, <laughs> both guys. Yeah. So you just really gotta just track the ball, and and all of that comes with you know just uh, you know DB drills and skills and, and and stuff where you can do prior, but just really locking in, and when the ball is in the air, anybody can come down with it.
0: True. So. But that—I mean—that's a pr- high-pressure moment.
1: No, absolutely sure. I believe it's a. It's, you trust me? You don't want to be in that <laughs> type of position. <laughs> but uh, especially if you have like a Terrell Owens or you know Randy somebody, Moss, yeah. yeah, Randy Moss beelining to you at you know running a four-three. But um, you know, I, I, I call it superhumans. We have a ability to slow the game down. Um, and I think some of the greats have that ability of, when you're in those type of situations, numerous times, you have this playback in your mind of certain situations. That if you see a certain formation or you see a player line up a certain certain way, um, you just study the tendencies and really say, "Hey, I know he just didn't just do that. I saw that on film." And then you kind of say, "Hey, the play's coming." go and yeah
0: <laughs> i'm one yeah like talk to me about the 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 mental fuel that you're using because you're surely like one of the most mentally tough mm-hmm. guys to be able to handle the pressure mm-hmm. Uh i mean you know if you if you get burned the whole stadium is looking like yeah. they're you know like if if the line messes up it's multiple people maybe the you know but when the cornerback gets burned it's, yeah. you know so what is the mental toughness? What is the mental fuel you're using to be like fully locked in and to be confident and to be able to handle those pressure situations?
1: Well, first, let me say this. You if we get if the DBs get scored on, it's a total embarrassment, obviously. <laughs> and we get chewed out by coaches, family members, fans, <laughs> you know, uh so. I think for us as DBs, your mindset is always looking at it as, hey, if we have to deal with the most pressure, we have to be poised. We have to be the most poised as well. So I think that's how we always seem to operate in the sense of just having poise. Um, but in those pressure moments, I think you can only prepare for those moments, and that's just repetition. That's practice over and over again. Um, if you mess up, line back up. Let's, let's play let's just line back up again um I don't know let's go let's go let's go let's go uh 10 tries and see if I'm at least over 500 then um I'll take those
0: no you those gotta tests. you you gotta be better than 500 right you
1: you actually do but. Dude, right he only gotta get one out of ten <laughs> right you gotta get nine or ten out of ten uh very true but uh, to if we if we can get over 500 as as DBs, then um, – and we're talking about completions. Yeah. If the quarterback is only throwing, you know, 50% of the balls, completing them, you're doing a decent job. <laughs> you know, if you can get it under 50% um, pass percentage, then you're doing a fabulous job. You're doing an amazing job. So, you know, um, that's the starting point. Right? I mean, if they're one for 10, then – you know, those are out of this world numbers. Did
0: you feel pressure or were you able to push that out?
1: You know, a lot of people ask me that, like, ever, ever. You know, to be honest, I just think I had the Mamba mentality, to be honest. Like, just to, like, I grew up, you know, watching, you know, Air Jordan, Michael Jordan and, and Magic Johnson and those guys, so um, that was a different type of ball, a different type of error than than what it is today. And um, I love the game today too, as well, LeBron and those guys. So, but it's it's just kind of like I that's my vision was that's all I seen was greatness and and Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, these guys. So on the football side of it, um, which is very difficult to do and challenges, is, is trying to be like a prime time. You know, trying to be like a Dion and trying to measure up to what his legacy was, and then try—you know—when it's your time up, to see if you can even rival or even equal up uh, to such a great player that he was. So, um, I just kind of looked at it as that when it when when the, when the torch was was passed to me from Champ Bailey, I just you know simply was like is mine for the taking. Um, I can run this league as a top DB um, for, for as long as I can. Wow. So, We live
0: in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door, thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Who was the wide out who was the most challenging to cover?
1: Hmm. I still have nightmares. About <laughs> uh, Randy. 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 Randy Moss. Randy Moss. And tall, uh, fast. You know, I have nightmares. From a number of guys, okay. <laughs> but I say I say I say Randy is is probably probably the top guy. Vikings Randy or
0: Patriots Randy.
1: I never was able to play against him when he played in Minnesota okay. for the Vikings, but uh, I mean I was I was saying I was saying you got Moss back in the neighborhood <laughs> during that time because
0: <laughs> <laughs> I saw so, y'all. I was at a game, Patriots playing against the Patriots. I think you had him shut down pretty well, ninety nine percent of the game. But he did not get one one handed touchdown. I know you remember. Oh
1: yeah, for sure. Uh, But you
0: had you had him like locked down.
1: Yeah, that was. um, It was a great play, great throw uh, by Tom. Great. you know, he stretched out at, at the last at the last minute. Actually, when, when we were in that play, uh he kinda got me on the inside move. I kinda hesitated, because um, he's a you know, he's a vertical receiver. So um he kinda slipped in between me, but it was a great throw by Tom and uh Tom Brady and and uh it was a great catch. Um I didn't think he was gonna catch it as I was <laughs> trailing. It's an
0: incredible catch.
1: But you know as you can see the the ball drop drop in oh, so what made randy so great the height the speed the hands uh i mean if you wanted to build your your ultimate route receiver you would you would all you need is probably randy moss <laughs> you don't have to take separate body parts and and add other receivers in uh, i mean randy is he has the smarts he has the size um he has the speed, he has the, the, the football IQ. Um and, and that's why he's crowned, you know, the greatest or one of the greatest to ever play. So
0: you also faced Terrell Owens, Larry Fitzgerald. Yes. Who else is on your list of giving Des Bryant? Who else has else given you nightmares? You're like, okay, he's who if Randy's number one, who's number two?
1: <sighs> hmm. They all give me. They all give you nightmares. They do. They do. Uh, different sizes, different speeds. Uh, you know, um, their games are just. Uh, they have their own unique individual game themselves. So, uh, for me, was, you know, game planning, I would always just come in and make sure I can just study as much. Film on them as as I possibly could. Um, if I had to watch four or five games of film, that's so what I'm actually doing. Um, I'm trying to make sure I in my notes that if I see a play from separate games, then I would jot those down to say, okay, I know in this formation three by one um, back near uh, quarterbacks in the gun that. I know Larry Fitzgerald is running this particular route. So it's it's all really weighing on a lot of percentages and high percentages. They're, they're calculated percentages and risks. But um, I really kind of steered t- towards that way of, of just breaking down my odds between the percentages. Of I just found Steve Smith very exciting to watch. Steve? Right.
0: Completely different than Randy
1: um, and yet, right, it's such a challenge. Steve Smith, yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal. Uh, we call him the bulldog on the field. He's, he's amazing. Uh, he can run every route in the route tree. Um, we've had our battles. Me, me and Steve had our battles too. Uh, I'll put him at number two. Okay. I'll put Steve at okay. number two. <laughs> I'll put Steve at number two.
0: Is Tom Brady the best quarterback of all time?
1: Yeah, 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 He's the he's the GOAT. He's he's outright the GOAT. Um I mean we were teammates. Yeah. So uh we won Super Bowl forty nine and um you know, you think you're so super competitive, you think you know nobody can't see you and line up out there with you on the you know, out there at the receiver position, but you know, Tom is somebody else you had to study as well. You had to study his weaknesses, his strengths. Um, but it was very difficult to try to and challenging to try to find his his tendencies because wow. he would he would hide them as, well, as, best what, as he what could. What did you
0: learn about him as a teammate that you hadn't realized?
1: Uh, I, I would say um his work ethic. Just how how he approaches the game every day. Um, uh, I mean, even being teammates with him, he would he would walk past my locker and be like, 2-4, I'm coming at you today. And I'm like, all right, bro. <laughs> bring it, you know, right? <laughs> bring it. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, his work ethic, you know, uh, we were rivals for about six years. So yeah. um, there was a lot of, you know, uh, back and forth, trash talking going throughout those years, uh, and then when you team up with another superstar in the league, and um, you know it's it's good to see his work ethic every day because when you're his opponent, you don't you don't see you don't know yeah what he puts into it week in and week out. Um, so I give him a lot of respect in that area for that.
0: What is it about folks talking about the Patriot culture? What is it about that 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 Belichick environment that breeds high level teams year after year?
1: I believe he has a philosophy to where, um, you know, he he's going to get the best out of his players. It doesn't matter what what round uh, in the NFL draft he you know you're selected if, if you if, if you get picked picked by the um, New England Patriots, but um, he has his coaching philosophy. He has a system, um, and he's he's going to make sure that you understand and you're going to run his system uh, because it's winning football. Yeah. He looks at it as this is winning football. This is how we win, and then you you back it up with the Super Bowls. You have to you have to respect it a lot. So there's a there's
0: a there's a thing that seemed to happen to guys when they would go to New England. That, that they would do interviews anywhere else and they kind of are themselves. And then they go, you know, I'm sorry, but they go to New England <laughs> and the interviews are like, we're, we're just here to play as a team. Generally. We're only thinking about next week. Like what, what happened? They, they all became robots for, in terms of the social, in terms of the, the media when yeah. they got over there. Are they telling you like, don't say shit to the media. Like this is how we do things.
1: It's very, it's very air shut tight. when it comes to, um, the media side of, they tell you it's yeah. We don't talk to the media over here. Yeah. You know, I think that stems from, from, from Bill Belichick and how maybe he's portrayed, uh, portrays himself. I was going to say his press conferences and, and such, but, um, I, I think he, I think he looks at it as like a, maybe a distraction in a sense, um, because, you know, sometimes, you know.
0: What does eating healthy mean to you? From Tinderfoot TV, Campside Media, and iHeart Podcasts, Radical is available now. Listen to the new podcast Radical for free on the iHeart Radio app or wherever you get your
1: podcasts. If any any story that's you know distracting the team from trying to win the Super Bowl, it, it can derail you for the rest of the for the rest of the. But
0: you know. I mean, the guy that we see from the outside is like Darth Vader, sort of. But but y'all inside, you do y'all love him? Do you fear him or
1: um I, I think it's more so is um you have a you have a future Hall of Fame coach so he can back it he can whatever he's talking he can back it up he can back it up with Super Bowls you know he can back it up excuse me with with being um the D coordinator for for the New York Giants under Bill Parcells where he once where he won two Super Bowls under Bill Parcells so uh, he knows the game. I yeah. mean, he's, he's, he's Bill Belichick is very is very smart um, with the X and O's. It's, it's just his system is, is ran a, a, a kind of a militant way. Or, um, but if you look at his background, I mean, that's how he grew up. You know, his 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 father was in the military, right. so you just kind of like once you understand like the bigger picture and the story of it, um, you just kind of like yeah. But I don't think. Especially veterans, I don't think we were, like, we're not, we weren't scared of Bill, but, you know, because Bill, uh, Bill will pull you to the side and have a, a conversation with you about, you know, you're comfortable, you're solid, what you think. But in the midst of that, if he's asking you those type of questions, he's still going to run his system away and his team the way he's going to run it because, I mean, these guys have been winning Super Bowls year in in and year out.
0: I saw an NFL Films thing once um, that took you, like, inside the Patriots, and he was breaking down film, and somebody had scored, I think it was a running back, and maybe one other guy came over to congratulate him, and he was like, how come we're not congratulating this guy? How come we're not, like, you know, whooping it up for this guy that we just scored, and I was like, "Wow, like he's even that meticulous." Singing like we have to be like happy when we score, like that's part of like yeah. the important emotion. Like I thought that was incredible that he's
1: pointing that out to them. Uh, you know, Bill Bill Belichick is from you know me playing up, up under him for a year, and we went to Super Bowl forty nine and. He's, he has a bigger vision and a bigger goal. I mean, in the regular season, we we would blow a team out by 25, 30 points and we'll be walking through the tunnel, you know, high five and yeah. We whoop their ass, yeah, you know, we on to the next. We get in the locker room and he's like, it's too many mistakes. And then you're like, what is this? You know, like, what's, what, like, yeah, we just balled out on those guys. You know what I'm saying? Like, what's going on? And then once you start, you know, breaking down the film, I remember Bill would, would say things like, you know, this would beat us in postseason. So their their mindset is already preparing for postseason and playing in postseason because, you know, they've done it, you know, so many times, you know, year in, year out, so.
0: You talk about winning Super Bowl forty nine, one of the more exciting games. Great comeback. When 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 you get down to this last moment, and the Seahawks have Marshawn Lynch, one of the greatest running backs of his era. Yes. yes. And you're what were they three yards away on the last play? Yeah, about two to three yards. And they maybe. throw it. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember when they when they when uh, when he dropped back, Russell Wilson dropped back to throw it. I was like, why? <laughs> <laughs> throwing it. like you know two out of three things can happen that are bad when you throw the ball true, right true. and and i'm like i i it, as a as a as a player who understands the game to this day are you like why would y'all not just hand the ball off to that guy instead of throwing the ball there
1: uh trust me we 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 knew that pete carroll was going to you know, run the ball. And, and, you knew and, he was gonna run it. Yeah, we we knew that he was gonna run it and hand it off to Marshawn, but um when they took Marshawn out and then they went empty set and, you know, Russ is back there alone by himself, we looked at it as maybe there's a quarterback sneak. Because Russ he's, he can he's run good. he can run like yeah, he's he quick. can run like a running back as yeah. well, right? So we're like, ah, empty set, ah, maybe he he's gonna quarterback sneak. It's only like the two yard line. So and said, hunt, He drops back, picks the ball up, and the throwing. What's <laughs> <Is> happening? <laughs> and he threw it to Malcolm Butler
0: on the Patriots. Do you and, <laughs> understand the call? Like why P would do I decide? Yeah, do why they would decide to do that instead of run the ball? I'm not in their huddle.
1: So, but, but you're, a, <laughs> I, you're a player. You but understand? as a fan, as a right. I think you would give the ball to Marshawn Lynch. I mean, I would think so. I would think so. But but
0: do you, in retrospect, can you see why they did that? Like what they were, what they might have been thinking? Like maybe they
1: think we're going to fool them because surely they think
0: we're going to run. Hmm.
1: I mean, it takes it takes three or four guys to actually tackle Marshawn Lynch. Right. <laughs> he can probably drag three or four guys in into the end zone. If he has, if you hand him off the ball on the two-yard line, I, I'm I wasn't in the huddle, so I can't really I don't know what Pete curl was thinking. I don't know what the offensive coordinator was thinking. Um, I don't know if if it was a quarterback quarterback um, type of a but like rivalry between Tom Brady and and Russell to to come up on top. I guess to see who interesting when the
0: so you think Super maybe goal. Russell said, "I want to throw this. Let me let me throw it."
1: Could be a possibility. As 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 Russ being a you know a, a playmaker, and you know Russ is. I think Russell Wilson is is one of those quarterbacks that's a leader that he he wants to put all chips on him. Yeah, you know, and I think maybe him and Pete Carroll maybe had that conversation and say, "Hey." You, you you take the you take this one.
0: Whatever the experience of Belichick was, I imagine the experience of Rex Ryan is like the opposite, right? Mm. Like he's he's fun, he's larger than life. He's, yeah, let's go <laughs> eat some. Let's go have a snack. Like like right? I mean like you you like I imagine he creates a sense of like I love this guy and I want to go through a wall for this guy and especially he comes from defensive background and his father yes. so then like yes. you know as a defensive guy you got to be like yo this is my guy
1: yes uh no for sure um they i think they both they both come from defensive backgrounds i mean sure obviously of course. bill belichick as well um it's just two different personalities um you know bill is just a little bit he's just a little bit more militant in his ways um but but bill has a common goal and and rex is like you said he's He's larger than life. He's energetic. Um, he's going to say what he, you know, what he says, and it's not really thinking about what he says, maybe. But um, he'll go to bat for you. He's he's he'll let you play within his defensive scheme and to your best of the abilities that you that you can uh, execute and make plays. So I just think that's Rex. You know, Rex. If Rex was here now, he'll we'll let's get a snack, let's let's let's, let's grab a beer, make you laugh. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> he's always been that way. I've I've had um, uh, countless one-on-one meetings with, with with Rex, and and Rex was just down to earth. He's a cool cool coach, cool guy. He was smart with X and O's, and Rex loved to blitz. That's yes. what he loved to do. Is so, that fun? Uh, uh playing in this in a no, like
0: scheme Yeah, well when the coaches like go oh, blitz and you got a chance to go after the quarterback. Uh
1: that was just our whole philosophy. Like we we've had uh we had great uh, a great secondary um with guys where we had depth. So we had guys uh, in the slot blitzing off the edge. Um we can just mix and match X and O's, move guys around. Um, the chessboard, and then we had two. We had two great corners. We had me, and then we had Antonio Cromarti, So um, we know once you blitz, and the ball is coming out super fast, right? Know? And uh, the quarterback wants to get it out of his hands, obviously. So um, we we just looked at is we just going to stay stout on the outside at the corner positions, and we're going to lock up.
0: I was a big Jets fan in that era, and there was years that things worked out guys like got far in the playoffs and it was like you know who knows what could happen and there were rough years Mm -hmm. and no matter what you were always the freaking superstar and you did your thing and revis island was what it was Mm -hmm. but you know the rest of the team sometimes was great sometimes was not Mm -hmm. is that hard when you're out there putting out a level of excellence and the team is not giving you support and get, getting results?
1: Uh, I think there could be um, – when you're, when you're, when you're a, a big competitor and you're a super competitive, yeah, it's certain things. You know, you want to win every down, every play, every series. Um, you you want to win every game, you know. Um, we felt like we had the best – obviously the best defense in the NFL – during those years, and um, we were going to bring it uh, uh, each each week. Um, so, in that sense, um, once you start understanding the management part of it and um, how things are so interchangeable with um, roster cuts and you know acquisitions and you know you you build bonds with guys in the locker room that we feel like we have a great nucleus and a, a, a great structure. And then, you know, one guy might, they might, management might trade them. Or, you know, we felt like shouldn't have traded them. And, and, and see, once you start getting to that stuff, you start to understand more that uh it, it's a business in a way and, Sometimes we don't understand why um, those decisions are, are being made at the time. Um, I've got more into management as I started playing a little bit more, and and um, you can see you can get disappointed. And um, but for the most part, <clears throat> management sometimes would ask me questions about what do you like about this guy? What do you like about that guy? We, you know, could, could could they fit in our system? And um. It's good that you're, you know, you'll be in those type of conversations to yeah. actually try to help win championships as much as possible.
0: Yeah. So. No, that's a high level of respect when the management is saying, what do you think Yeah. in terms of personnel? Did they ask you about draft picks or just free agents?
1: Uh, it depends on if, if you knew the draft pick very well or if you had some type of connection with them.
0: I mean, from a fan perspective, in those years, we understood defense is going to do their thing. Rooting for you, rooting for Cromartie, you know, Bart's doing his thing. And then offense might let us down. (laughs) Okay. And I think the focal point of some of that stuff was Mark Sanchez, that we were like, (laughs) ah, like, you know, he comes out of this great system. We had high hopes. Yeah. And it never really works I mean, is there a sense of frustration from like, yo, I'm bringing some excellence here. We are giving you guys opportunities, mm-hmm. and you guys are just not bringing it.
1: Uh, yeah, we had <laughs> some. <laughs> yeah, we had to hash out a, a, a ton of those issues, I would say. Um, <clears throat> but also, um, you know, Mark, you have to give Mark credit because, I don't think he had a fair, you know, you know, chance, you know, when he was quarterback. I mean, this guy had multiple offensive coordinators, you know, over those years. I don't think Marcus was, you know, was was able to be uh, was able to get to a, a a place to where he was really comfortable in running, um, you know, offensive system for for a number of years. You know, I mean, every year there was a different coordinator and such or there was something that they wanted him to do more that maybe it was too much you know for him but he played well in the playoffs we we had to give him that um but through the regular season we did have some 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 minor issues that we had to correct in a sense
0: what does that mean i'm I'm hearing like there was some player only meetings or there were some arguments about like come on stepping up like that's what you're talking about
1: there, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, when you're when you're trying to tra- chase greatness, and I mean, at that point where, you know, the Patriots were winning the division, I mean, every year, um, we felt like we built the best roster and team to try to, you know, disrupt, you know, their winning. But yeah, we we've, we've had countless, you know, player only meetings. Um we had a lot of veteran guys on the team uh those years. So um we kind of carried ourselves, you know, as trying, you know, we're we're a playoff contending team, that's what we believed at the time. And um we actually got in, you know, later in the season and we felt once we got into the big dance, into the postseason that we we'll, we'll, we're going to we're going to outplay, you know, most of our you know, opponents. We just felt we matched up very well um with our opponents and we just knew in a matter of time once we lay once we lay the wood on them, then um we're gonna definitely win these
0: games. I mean I know that 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 of course you have great respect for Tom and he's fantastic. I always looked at Peyton Manning, who you also were mm-hmm. dealing with a lot mm-hmm. better arm? Smarter, maybe like a, it was in some ways I thought like isn't he hard when he's especially when he was a Colt? Isn't he harder to deal with? The Patriots had great system, legendary coach would put more pieces around Tom. Yes. um yeah. but Peyton was like, God damn, that guy's a monster.
1: <laughs> oh yes, Peyton. Uh, I don't. I, I don't know if you can say he has a stronger arm than Tom Brady. Okay, uh, but uh, his tangibles is is just different though. He, you know, Payne Manning is he's cap. Cap that's short for captain. I right. mean he's like he's cap, so it's like it's a captain, so it's like, you know, Payne is one of these guys that's he'll come to the to to the line of scrimmage and he'll he'll blurt out some audible, but it's not even it's it's fake. It's a false flag, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so so he plays kind of those type of, I guess, tricks or mind games. But, I mean, overall, you know, can you say Tom Brady is is that? I mean, if you if you look at quarterback, Mount Rushmore, of quarterbacks, I mean, it, he's there. I mean, it's Tom. Of is It's Peyton, but. Who else is on that,
0: Mount Rushmore, of
1: your era, for you? Of quarterbacks? Yeah. Oh, man. That's, that's, a, that's a tough one. <laughs> uh, I'll say TB twelve. I say Tom. I say Peyton Drew Brees. Mm-hmm. Yes, Drew Brees. Um, I'll I'll probably say. Probably have to say Big Ben.
0: Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, yeah, I probably say Big Ben. Mm-hmm. He was probably the hardest to bring down, right? Because he was just huge.
1: Yeah, yeah, he was a huge. Guy. We had issues with. With him, uh, obviously, mean? in the in the playoffs, we had issues with, yeah. with Big Ben. Um, so uh, it's very difficult to to get him. You know, to, I mean, to,
0: there's do that. a Steeler way that mm-hmm. those teams are always gritty. They're always like he could throw, but they always want to run. They always want to beat you up, mm-hmm. physical, right? Like even if the personnel change over a thirty year period, mm-hmm. it's like there's a, there's a Steeler. Character
1: that always remains? Franchise quarterback? Because before, you know, you had Terry Bradshaw, you had Frank Harris, you had a lot of guys, um, Lynn Swan. Mean Joe Green. Yeah, mean Joe Green. Uh, and then, the, you know, franchise quarterback, build around him on the offensive side. And then, I mean, they always, always uh, made sure they had a a mean, defense.
0: But they are good at one coach per decade, right? Mm-hmm. We believe in this guy. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it was Noel for a long time. Then it was mm-hmm. Cower for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's Tomlin for a long And not having that, oh, he had a bad season, switch him up. Like, that gives a lot of power and solidity and consistency to the organization, right? Because I felt like the Jets... You get a little, you know, right? You give him three years and he's out of here, <laughs> right? I'm like, stop mixing it up. Let the guy flow.
1: Uh, I, 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 hear, I hear where you're going. And uh, I think we're trying to head in that direction. I really do. Uh, I hope so. I, you know, um, uh, letting guys stay in the system for a number of years to build. You know, you have to build chemistry. You guys got to know one another in a sense. And um, because in that way, the chemistry becomes um, second nature to you. Yeah. You know, I remember times I was playing and I can be lined up on a receiver. I can be lined up on you and I can just give the safety a hand signal. And it's like, got you, got you too far. And, you know, you, you get comfortable in, in your teammates and the roles you guys play. And that's what I think uh, that builds. Me being on championship teams, that's that's what builds championship teams. And I think the the New York Jets, the future for the New York Jets is, I mean, this year's draft, um, NFL draft. I mean, we, I mean, three first-round draft picks. They were great picks. Uh, second-round picks. We we won the draft (laughs) when it comes to draft picks this year in 2022. So, you know, I just believe that you got to get some dogs in the locker room that loves football, that can stay out out of trouble off the field, and um, they're coming into work every day, and they're coming into work to be champions. That's all you can be.
0: What is your role with the organization now? I am an ambassador,
1: an alumni, so... um,
0: But you... What does that mean? You have... Because it sounds like you have some say or a voice in what the direction of the organization is.
1: Um, I've... I'm I'm in some... I'm in the owner's suite, you know, hanging out with the Johnson family, and um, they're very open to um, opinions when it comes to the game of football. And... uh, maybe what direction uh you know the team should go or the organization should go. So um I've been in those conversations. Um so it's and I think that's just a um an ongoing continuing continuous you know dialogue that, you know, you just, you know, what better way to, you know, probably, you know, take an opinion from a player that's been in the locker room. He's you know, you try to build a team around him, a defense around him as well, or any guy. You know, if it's the quarterback, I think um should be open. The mm-hmm. the management should be open and the uh, organization should be open to, to listening to them. Well, players. it's definitely
0: valuable to have guys who are out there talking about, here's what I see, here's mm-hmm. what I think, and not just, you know, Students or whatever, people who haven't been out there. You know, what I mean, like you, you have a you have a feel for what the team could and should do that somebody who's never been out there could uh, could could emulate.
1: Absolutely, I've I've been through tunnels pregame, and you're like, we're not ready. We we're, we're not. You can just tell the, the energy is just not there. Then you start out flat coming out in the first quarter, and you're like, ah, this is the reason why. You know, guys, some guys are not ready to go. The energy is not there. Um, And then sometimes you know it. You know, as you get savvier, you know, in the game and, and the years you play, so it's just like you can see it sometimes, you know. What
0: do you want for this next chapter of your life? Not playing anymore. What do you what do you want to do? What do you want to grow into over the next couple of years? Because you do anything you want. Mm-hmm. So what do you what do you foresee for yourself?
1: What do I see for myself? Uh, I would like to position myself to to be um, an NFL owner or have a piece of you know ownership of a team.
0: Wow,
1: I would I would really love that. Um, I just believe because of my competitive spirit. Um, the way I approached and played the game. So I really believe that um, if that's for the future for me, that would be very ideal.
0: Why I love that you said that. I love that we're seeing this trend toward players becoming owners, Jordan, Magic, other people having pieces of teams. Why is that important for you?
1: Uh, Why is that important? It's just because of – you know the history of the game you know you go back to hearing stories of uh Jim Brown and him actually retired, retiring early um for not being compensated um during his time um, there's so many guys that uh, mean so much to this game and um you know why not have you know you know people of color that the majority of us are out there on the field to actually um you know own some ownership of a team.
0: So, do you think that the ownership community that exists now is interested in diversifying that group? Like, it doesn't seem like that is a priority for them.
1: I just think we have to continue to. I don't
0: mean just the Jet group, mm-hmm. the entire the ownership entire community. Ownership. Yeah.
1: No, I agree. I just, I just believe that, um, you know, we just got to continue to, um, you know, you know, push for those type of opportunities, you know, continue to change the narrative as, as best we can. And, um, you know, I, I believe, you know, the owner should look for, um, diversification, you know, diversifies as much as you can. I think the world is changing right before our eyes every day. And, um, you know, we have there. There are female coaches in yeah. the NFL now, so yeah. there's 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 more opportunity and more room for to to diversify, um, not even on the coach coaches level or the management level, but um, you know, diversification and ownership. Because this has been rules. a big,
0: huge issue last what two, three years, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, you know, we want to see folks like yourself have a continued voice in the NFL. The NFL has not always wanted to go in that direction. Right. We don't have enough. I think in our opinion, there's not enough black head coaches. There's not sure. enough black offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators. Right. Certainly not enough black general managers. Sure. Yeah. Definitely not enough black owners. Cause there's zero. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, And I feel like they bring in people like Jay-Z as a smokescreen to make us, like, you know, distracted from the issues. What can you do? What can other people in your level do to help push the NFL into, like, okay, come on, like, let me into ownership, you know, let more head coaches happen. Like, you know, we have the Rooney rule, but, like, I'm like, which is that done?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, <clears throat> the Rooney Rule. These last couple years have have people have uh, kind of you know pushed the narrative and you know with the Rooney Rule. So um, sometimes you can look at it as it can be contradicting to the actual rule itself of um, you know what's supposed to take place and what's supposed to happen um, inside the NFL. But um, I, I think that's just, you know, taking two steps back to get four steps forward or five steps forward is fine. I just feel like, you know, if if, if guys are going to be serious when it comes to ownership, whether if it's a investment group or, um, you know, guys really just sitting at a, you know, table and really understanding, like, is are we serious about this next step in this process? Um, it can be an investment group. It can be, um, for me personally, you know, I wouldn't mind. You know, if Jay Z had opportunity to invest, uh, why not? You know, because um, I just think it's something for us that um, you know we've been we've been doing this for so long in terms of uh, playing inside the lines that you know maybe diversify in ownership. You know, sector, as much as you can, so.
0: I mean, I know growing up, watching the game, there were very few black quarterbacks. And then there started to be a little bit more, a little bit more. And my dad in particular would be like, you know, we're rooting for the team with the black quarterback. Mm -hmm. We like them, right? Mm -hmm. And then you started to see some black head coaches, like, we're rooting for the team with the black head coach, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, he's a Patriots fan first, but he's like, we like the teams that have black head coaches, right? Mm -hmm. And... To think about what really matters the team that has like a black ownership group Mm -hmm. right i mean like that would be extraordinarily exciting and would just set um you know a level for the next generation you know but it's not going to be just you it's got to be a group right i mean these teams are incredibly expensive at this point it would have to be you and a group of other people or you're only talking about like one or two percent of the team right
1: uh, yes, absolutely. It will have to be a collective group of uh, of men who have um, you know lucrative you know finances to be able to fund um, whatever percentage is presented in, in a deal. Um, I mean, it's, it's a lot of guys. I mean, that are in position. Um, it's just you know actually you know having the right businessman in an investment group to actually get the the deal done, um, and, and everybody in that investment um, group. Are credible. They're credible they're credible individuals.
0: Is it about the money that would come from being an
1: owner or about
0: being able to shape the future of the game and having other people see black people can't ascend to that level?
1: I think it's I think it's more so um, the yeah, I, I think it's more so uh people you know, looking at it in the sense to say, um, anything is possible. You know, and that just comes from um what the other generation sees and what's actually taking place out here in society, you know. Um it's not all about football, but you know, you can you can go into education, you know, we have black lawyers, doctors, uh, black artists, painters, we we we're we're in we're in all arenas. It's just, you know, now what's the next step? What's the next process for us to um, now, you know, maybe come into, you know, ownership, Um, you know, whether if it's giving you 10% of a team, 20% of a team, uh, you know, with the deal with the investment group, that's a start, you know, that's a start. And you see guys, you know, um, reestablishing themselves and reinventing themselves all the time you know out here in, in, in different arenas so um, it can be it can be done. It's just um, the timing on it and uh, whether if it's five or ten years from now it's 15 years from now but um, I think the younger generation would love to see you know um, you know men of color yeah. you know in, in these organizations uh, diversifying in that sense when it comes to ownership. Would it, be, is any team, any opportunity to own acceptable or is it like,
0: you know, well, there's certain, I mean, there's certain teams that we've been watching for, you know, 40 years, we have a, you know, an emotional relationship with them. Mm-hmm. And there's some teams that I'm still like, okay, the Jaguars are still like a new team in my mind because I've been watching the NFL for 40 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so is it like a- anybody will do or like, I want to oh. be part of like something that you know
1: well I believe you know if you were to uh create an investment group with credible men um I think all of those men that's in that group um they're competitive in life they want to win they want to win Super Bowls they want to um be able to take a team that's maybe not so good and then turn them into a playoff contending team and a championship team and um you know, that, that all has to come with, you know, discipline, strategy, you know, in a sense of, um, you know, we're, we're trying to build the best team we can build. Um, and rather than that, um, it doesn't really matter with um, City. I, I would look at it as I just think, you know, the City would have to accept the the investment group and the guys that are coming in that's trying to um, build a championship team.
0: So are you saying you think it'll be a new franchise sort of thing rather than one of the current owners selling?
1: Oh, that's a great one. If, if, if they expand, if the NFL expands, that would be incredible. <laughs> if they would, um, <clears throat> if Roger Goodell and those guys are, um, are looking to expand, that would be incredible. That's more opportunities for guys to take a look at the the um you know the business deal in terms of ownership of a team so that would be amazing i mean if they were add more teams in more cities so
0: i mean it's so it's so powerful to hear you talking about this because part of the story that we've heard
1: too you, you the average NFL career is about three years yeah it's about two and a half three yeah you're you're on, you're, on, you're spot on That's
0: a lot of guys on don't make a lot of money mm-hmm. a lot of and a lot of professional athletes in general are broke five to ten years after their career ends very true
1: yep.
0: you know i mean e- even guys who made nine figures in their career you know true. can, can true. go broke yes Especially if you've got a couple ex-wives you can go broke <laughs> Uh, uh, no shade, just just when you rack up those consistent expenses that you got to pay out, and it's not coming in like it used to. Yes, um, mm-hmm. but to hear people that they've done well enough on and off the field that they can now talk about like I want to get, I want to join the ownership group. Mm-hmm. You know,
1: it's important. Yeah, I believe so. I just believe, uh, um, just for le- legacy purposes too. I think, you know, the young generation, they, you know, we 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 have loved these sports. We have played them. We have participated in them since we were child um, in childhood. Um, and uh, it's good. I think it's more so the narrative is showing them that, you know, anything is possible. You know, you can, I mean, we've, we've had Obama, you know, as the first black president. Oh, yeah. So... Um, no, it's everybody's in their own respective industries and, and arenas, and, and, and making their own narratives to it.
0: You remember the first time that you thought, "Oh, I'm really good at this. Like, I could get to the professional level." Was that in a high school level? Was that in college? Like, when was the first time you were like, "Oh, I'm. I'm I think I could get there." Uh,
1: I think it's something about it when. You know, when you're young, you just feel you feel different. You feel, I don't know, you feel special, and you feel like it's 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 an it's, it's something you know, but you can't kind of put a put a bead. You can't, you don't know, but you know that by your actions and what you're doing, you know, um, it's kind of manifesting in a way. You know, and I've always had dreams to play. Well, actually, I had dreams to play in the NBA, but I didn't get. I, didn't, I wasn't able to get my growth spurts <laughs> to where I wanted. So, because uh, my first love was basketball. But, really? Uh, yeah. But
0: uh, are you better at that, or could you have been better at that than you are at this?
1: No, I'm a. I'm a. I'm a stay away from that. I think everything that's happened. uh, You know, for me in this lifetime, it's it's, it was it was destined for to the right
0: sport. Yeah, but you loved that; you wanted to be a ball player.
1: Oh, for sure, basketball player. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so bad. Yeah, it's an easier (laughs) life. Yeah, yeah. In in terms, people aren't trying to
0: take your head off. That's true. You saw that when when Tom Brady was on. (laughs) A LeBron show with Draymond and he's like basketball is so much easier you play indoors and no one's trying to take your head off and Draymond was great he's like yeah but we don't take a 10 minute break after every <laughs> every five seconds
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes uh, yeah in that sense it's, it's easier it's easier for those guys I, I don't I didn't get hit much when right. I played because you're a so, hitter yeah I was doing it you're a hit, hitter so. and you're out on the edge yeah So
0: I remember I met um, Eddie George, legendary Mm -hmm. running back Mm -hmm. at the airport once. And we were talking at the bar and he said the actual playing time in an NFL game is five minutes. Mm -hmm. That's the amount of time that you're actually playing the game Mm -hmm. from snap to whistle. But he's like, but it is the physically hardest five minutes you could imagine.
1: I couldn't agree more. Like. (laughs) And he's getting people <laughs> pummeling him at a way you're not. Yes, every play, <laughs> linebacker blitzes, linebacker isos. Uh Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we're kind of we're on the outside, so we're kind of <laughs> easier life. Yeah, we're like yeah, we don't want to go inside, get, get into the pile every once in a while. Uh, but for me, I was I love to hit. I didn't. I remember one time Dion told me he said. He said, Young Blood, you better slow down. <laughs> One game, a pregame, he he grabbed me up. He said, Young Blood, you better slow down if you want to play long enough because the way you're the going, the trajectory is, is limited years on your career. In uh, terms of hitting? Hitting. Um, even I mean, plan zero coverage, the whole side of the defense is here. It takes a toll on your body. And, uh, you know, we would, during games a few times, we would, I would have to look over at Rex and say, I need a zone. You know, I need a cover two. I've been running, you know, four series just in zero coverage. So,
0: because you're doing a
1: sprint, you're doing what, three, four, five sprints in a row over and over and over 30, 40 yards down the field. And yeah, you're gassed. You're just super gassed. So it's like you're looking at Rex, like, all right, all right, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> but we gotta go right back to, you know, yeah, the, the original game plan, and that's what would kind of help us, you know, you know, win, put us in position to win games as best we could.
0: Deion Sanders was the best corner before you were what was the best piece of advice that he gave you about playing the position
1: the best piece of advice was um is to um you get you get paid you get paid to cover not to tackle <laughs> 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 you get paid to cover and not to tackle so I think that was maybe one of his, you know, obviously his philosophies and something that made him so successful. So when you hear those, you know, when you hear those phrases, it kind of stick with you, it does.
0: That's our show. Torre Show gives you fuel to power your dreams because you can use your dreams like a rocket ship to blast you into a life you never imagined. You can make your dreams a reality and maybe this show can help. You can find me on Twitter at Torre and on Instagram at Torre Show. Show shows written by me, Torrey and produced by Jennifer Ford. Our editors, Ryan Woodhall. Our photographers are Chuck Marcus and Shanta Covington and Nick Carp. Our booker is Claudia Jean, and we're distributed by DCP Entertainment. And we will be back on Wednesday with more amazing guests because the man can't shut us down.